It's time for Forward Nation Radio. Now here he is, the host of Forward Nation Radio, David Leventhal. Welcome to Forward Nation Radio. I'm David Leventhal. We've got a full plate for you today with the latest on leadership, GOP style. The January 6th commission to investigate an assault on the government of the United States. Not. The latest on abortion. The jobs report. And, because I just can't help myself, Israel. But first, a quick programming note. Uh, My most dedicated listeners will note that we've been a little sparse in our shows over the last few weeks. Appearing about every two weeks rather than as we had been for four years every week. Well, our crack marketing staff has gotten together and made the decision that, well, I've just really been really busy over the last month trying to finish a very busy semester. My hope is to get back to a regular weekly schedule very shortly. And the plan is to have somewhat shorter shows, but to be able to do them weekly and juggle that with my schedule. So anyway, that's the plan. Wish us luck. uh, Before we get into the the main subjects of today's show, the latest quickly on COVID. Yesterday, only 18,000 Americans contracted the virus. Fewer than 500 apparently died of it. Total numbers, about 33 million Americans have contracted the virus. We're at about 590,000 dead. But things are looking up in America. We are easing restrictions. I'm going to go hang out with some of my family today indoors. People who have been vaccinated are now being told we don't even have to wear a mask when we're outside. And at least for wealthy America, it feels like the beginning of the end. That at a time when we are also sobered by the fact that the World Health Organization has just announced that in fact the actual worldwide numbers of people who have contracted COVID or been killed by it may be two to three times that which has been reported. Or as is being reported in the Trump universe, 12 people have contracted COVID and only because they were sick to begin with. Really, better than the flu. No problem. Anyway, uh, also in feel-good news for the week, I don't want to miss this one. As we had reported, because it was, it was being expected, Joel Greenberg, recognize that name? The former confidant of Republican Congressman Matt Gates has pled guilty to a range of charges, including sex trafficking a 17-year-old girl. Now, sorry, that doesn't sound like the good news. The good news, of course, is that he is busy turning states' evidence. He pled guilty in return for a more lenient sentence, and that requires his cooperation. And what do we all expect he's cooperating about? He's cooperating about the role of Congressman Matt Gates, a true Trump supporter from Florida, about his role in sex trafficking possibly young girls and whatever misconduct he was involved in. Just rather than get ahead of ourselves while Mr. Greenberg 
is busy singing to prosecutors. I just, I just want to point out that this guy has repeatedly been described as an associate of Congressman Matt Gates. Let, let me just quickly describe. This is from I think the New York a New York Times article on the subject. The hearing punctuated a dramatic fall for Mr. Greenberg, who, after a life of business failures and struggles with addiction, had been elected as the tax collector in Seminole County, Florida, in 2016, casting himself as a Trump supporter who would root out corruption. That's all a quote. I'm going to add here that given that kind of a resume, you could understand why people in Seminole County, Florida would want this guy as your tax collector, a life of business failures and struggle with, struggles with addiction. Anyway, continuing the article, but almost as soon as he took office, he began using taxpayer money to pay for sex and sought to ingratiate himself with up-and-coming Republicans in Florida state politics. Again, this guy is ingratiating himself with up-and-coming Republicans in Florida. With this kind of a track record. Yep, fit right in. Like Mr. Gates, the article continues, providing them with drugs and access to women and girls, according to court documents. Yes, this is a real up-and-comer in Republican politics, assuming he ever gets out of prison, of course. Because he's been providing... Republican politicians, possibly, according to court documents, including Congressman Matt Gates, with drugs and access to women and girls. You just can't make this shit up. Of course, if you are a Trump supporter or a Republican supporter, you can just completely wish it away. That comes in the choosing your pals front. Yes, the Republican Party. It's really remarkable that Democrats find it hard to work with them. It's amazing. Uh, they should at least enjoy socializing on the weekends together. Anyway, that brings us to our next big topic, which is the lunatics running the asylum in the Republican Party. I should I say the latest on the lunatics running the asylum in the Republican Party. It is clear, overwhelmingly clear at this point, that there is no such thing as a leader in the Republican Party. When Biden, when the Democrats talk about working with Republican leaders, when newspapers and the smart commentators all talk about Democrats reaching out to work with Republican leaders, that such a thing doesn't exist. It might exist in, in name. Someone holds the title. Well, you know, at least until they get drummed out of the party for not accepting election results. But... People may hold the title of various leadership positions, but there is no such thing right now as a leader in the Republican Party. They are all followers. In the Republican Party, the tail is absolutely wagging the dog. And of course, by tail, I, I mean anus. Um, the anus is wagging the rest of the fucking Republican dog in the Republican Party. This is why there is absolutely no policy in the Republican Party. There was no political platform in 2020, in 2020 other than let's reelect the cult leader. There, there are no policy suggestions coming out of the Republican Party. There is just anger reflecting the fact that they have spent 30 years getting their base angrier and angrier and angrier 
and stupider and stupider and stupider. And right now, as I've been arguing for years, it is clear they have lost control of the monster they have created. Yeah, we're reading. I made a reference, of course, to Liz Cheney being thrown out of leadership, as expected when when we uh, went to air two weeks ago. Liz, it was completed. Liz Cheney was thrown out of leadership, and we're now reading that maybe the the straw that broke the camel's back. And I'm sorry, camels, you you deserve a, a better analogy there. But the straw that broke the Republican base's back was that she fist bumped. President Biden when he walked in to give his State of the Union joint address to Congress. And that was unacceptable in a Republican Party that is held hostage by its base that it has been rousing and angering for years and years, for decades. We talk about Republican leaders, Kevin McCarthy, the leader in the House, the man who did an about face when he was told to on whether Liz Cheney should be kicked out of leadership. Just did a complete about face. Done an about face about Trump and January 6th and the role in the election. Why? He just does what he's told by the Republican base. Then you've got Elise Stefanik, the Josh Hawley. Elise Stefanik, who's, I don't think it's official yet, expected to take over for Liz Cheney. Maybe it is. I don't know. I don't, I don't follow these idiots. But Josh Hawley. The amazing thing is you listen to these people deny reality and act like they are among the stupidest people on the planet, which they may very well be, by the way. But apparently they haven't always been thus. Stefanik and Hawley have been gone to Harvard. Now, I'm not saying that you have to be smart to go to Harvard. You probably just need to know someone who has money. But these are people who went to Harvard and, by all accounts, weren't this insane. But now they've decided that insanity is what sells in the Republican Party. They need to be insane because if you... If you have a brain in the Republican Party, politically, you simply cannot use it. In the case of Stefanik, having made a 180 degree turn in favor of absolute insanity was clearly a great career move. And Hawley, it looks to be working out pretty well for him at this point, too. He'll presumably be back in the mix of presidential candidates in 2024. So I want to say, since I started this podcast, there's always been a discussion with, with the team about how I refer to Trump voters. Early on, I said, I'm going to be nice. I'm not going to refer to Trump voters as fucking morons. In fact, when I want to call someone a fucking moron, I'll just say Trump voter instead. So you'll know what that means. Um, I found it really hard, for, as my dedicated listeners will know, to avoid saying nasty things about Trump voters. And let me just point out, this is why you can't just dismiss these pieces of human trash as irrelevant, stupid jackasses. These irrelevant, stupid jackasses are destroying the country and the lives of better people right now. And that's been the case for years, and it is, it has never been more obvious than it is right now that these awful human beings are what is destroying this country. Destroying this country, for example, the January 6th commission, which was, of course, proposed to investigate a typical tourist visit to the Capitol. That's me being a little bit tongue-in-cheek, in case you missed that. The January 6th commission was what some people, including 30-something Republicans in the House, thought would be a good idea when there is an assault on the government of the United States of America that maybe this is something that we should look into. 
what a radical prospect that we would look into. We would investigate an assault on the government of the United States of America. It passed the House, in fact, as noted, with minimal GOP support. The Democrats got it through the House. You don't have the filibuster in the House. So the Democrats were able to get that through with some minor Republican support. It's, it's almost hard to imagine. Well, and at the same time, not at all hard to imagine that the Republicans aren't supporting this. The, the, the congressman who came out and said, this was just another typical tourist. It was like a typical tourist visit. This was a guy who was cowering under his desk, protected when it actually happened. But that doesn't change a couple months later from coming out and completely revisiting reality. Like the people now coming out saying this was just a protest by a bunch of patriots. Right. A protest where they were attacking police officers and running ramshackle all across the United States. I, I mean, I, it's amazing I even have to, have to talk about this. This is insanity. Meanwhile, it went through the House, but it is a dead letter, apparently, in the United States Senate. It is not going to happen. The Senate does have a filibuster, and... McConnell has said that this will not come up. The Senate will not allow a commission to investigate what happened on uh, during an assault on the United States government. Uh, they are not shockingly, of course, shielding their cult leader, Donald Trump, and themselves from scrutiny of their roles in the events of that day, as has been roundly reported. Also, by the way, I think Republicans are pushing to have Matt Gates's mother take over the investigation of Matt Gates. I mean, why not? When you're a criminal, how, you should have the right to choose your own prosecutor, shouldn't you? Trump's Attorney General William Barr is at home going right now, what's, what's, what's wrong with us? I don't understand what's wrong with us. Uh, they're judge, jury, and executioner, and criminal at the same time. Well, I don't understand what's the problem with that. Moscow Mitch is now the, the, the guy who came out and had terrible things to say about Donald Trump and his role in, in January 6th, he opposes the commission. And of course, in the not surprising, this is of course what this is all about, when you don't believe in anything except your own power, this is the kind of thing you do. Moscow Mitch is worried that investigating the role of his political party in, in a attempted overthrow of the United States government could be bad for his party politically gosh how awful and the only thing i have to add on that is i have to say if to improve your electoral prospects you need to put yourselves in bed with people who have tried to overthrow the government of the united states and violently assaulted you and your capital you like matt gates might want to consider a little bit more carefully who you pal around with just, you know, just a thought. It's not going to happen, of course. Okay, speaking of who you pal around with, abortion. I, I debated whether I was going to talk about this at all, but it's been in the news so much that I feel like I have to at least give it a, a quick discussion. The United States Supreme Court has accepted an abortion case. No surprise there. I have been talking for years about the fact that abortion rights are under threat. And let's not forget after that, your rights to privacy and your rights to buy a condom or birth control will be under assault next. Uh, I'm not going to upon. And meanwhile, as soon as the Supreme Court takes that case, Republican states all across the country are passing laws that clearly violate Roe v. Wade, like Texas has recently enacted 
uh, ban on abortions after, what, five or six weeks? Before most women even know, many women even know they're pregnant. I'm not sure if it's most. Five or six weeks. Clearly a violation of Roe v. Wade. They have been pushing to remake the United States Supreme Court based on the fact that they keep losing elections. And they have done so, despite losing elections. Their, their effort to remake the Supreme Court to get rid of abortion, among other things, to placate their base, they figure is really going to reach fruition at this point. And this is what's going on right now, and this is what's at stake. Now, I want to point, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pick, I'm not going to be a a prognosticator and guess as to what I think is going to happen in this Supreme Court case. Maybe this case, maybe the next one, they certainly will, uh, will roll back abortion rights, whether they will overturn Roe v. Wade, I don't know. But I will say one thing. I am reading from all these places people saying the Supreme Court will not go that far. It will not want to overturn Roe v. Wade. It will not want to create that kind of problem. It will not... And all I keep thinking when I read this is some of it's well-reasoned and bright, but will, will liberals or sane people never stop underestimating what conservatives will do? No matter what, we just keep under, oh, they wouldn't do that. Oh, they wouldn't go. Oh, there's a line they would not cross. There's a line. Well, they keep crossing all these lines and they erase them while they're crossing them. And the idea that this Supreme Court and Republican legislators would not actually get rid of abortion rights, they are, many of them are true believers. I understand that a lot of the Supreme Court is political. John Roberts wants to play the long political game. I get it. He's, but he, there's five people to the right of him on the United States Supreme Court at this point many of whom are true believers and just want to get rid of abortion. And they're, they've been living with the base. They're, they've been elected by the base. They've been, they've been raised to their exalted positions by the base. And the idea that they are going to say to the base, no, 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 we're not quite giving you what we want, but you'll understand because this is a good political move on that part. I'm not necessarily buying it. And I think, as always, sane people are a little bit too Pollyanna-ish about what conservatives will do to destroy this country. This at the very time that they are working to end democracy in America. Uh, also, the couple, last couple of weeks, again, on the Republican insanity front, this wasn't the theme of today's show, but if I report on what's happening in the country, it's a theme of the show by necessity. There was a disappointing jobs report for April. Now, this kind of creates an interesting dilemma for Republicans. Republicans have been yelling that Biden is bad and he's not helping America. And of course, most of his policies haven't even been enacted. But it's hard to, even for Republicans who opposed stimulus, to now be attacking Biden for, for, for pushing through a stimulus when we're not particularly stimulated. And so Republicans are going to have to find some other way to attack Biden. Many of them won't. They, they can argue the, the exact opposite points at the same time. So Republicans who oppose stimulus saying we don't need it are now attacking America for not having enough stimulus. No, I guess no, no problem there for many. For some, there's also this other issue that Republicans have been warning we don't need the stimulus, things are good, and inflation, inflation, inflation. Well, it turns out if things aren't so good, then the Democrats are right that we shouldn't really be worrying so much about inflation right now. And so Republicans are really between a rock and a hard place, that the insults and the criticism they are hurling at Obama is now blatantly contradictory. Now, again, 
Does that matter to Republicans? No, I don't think so. I think reasonable people overstate the fact that, oh, Republicans have a problem because they're obviously hypocrites. <laughs> so their base doesn't know it and doesn't care and they don't care. They don't have any principles. So I don't think it really matters. But just just briefly to summarize, because I was going over this in one of my classes and I and I realized that a lot of people don't don't understand sort of the basics of what I'll describe as macroeconomic, macroeconomic policy. So everybody, welcome to Basic Macroeconomics 101. This is going to be the fastest macroeconomics course in history. When your economy is doing badly, things are slow. COVID hit this country. People stopped going shopping. Well, once people stopped going shopping, we had a surplus of goods and we didn't need so many goods. We didn't need so many people to sell them. We needed, didn't need people working at restaurants. So we started firing people. Well, once companies all across America stop start firing people, then people buy even less stuff because now people you have more unemployed people who are cutting back on their spending. So because you have these unemployed people, they're cutting back on their spending, which means companies are selling even less stuff and need fewer people to sell it, which means they're laying off more people. Well, they're laying off more people. That means more unemployment. That means the country, its demand is going down all across America because we're buying less stuff because we fewer people have jobs, which means companies have to lay off some more people. And we keep going in this vicious cycle. The reason that we needed, since John Maynard Keynes taught us this 100 years ago, the reason that we needed to stimulate the economy was to counteract this vicious cycle where people getting laid off leads to less demand, less selling of products, and therefore more people being laid off, et cetera, et cetera. Well, we need to stimulate the economy. We need to give people more money. We need to hire people. Government should be hiring, as I've been arguing for years, millions of people to upgrade our roads, our infrastructure, our bridges, to teach. God knows what we've done to our education system. In other words, we need to invest in America. That's Biden's infrastructure plan as well as his stimulus plan, all of which makes sense given the current economic situation. If we hire millions of people to address this company's, companies, this country's blatant needs right now and fix this country, then that will get more people working, that will get more people spending, that will eventually lead private industry to start hiring more people, which will again increase demand, et cetera, et cetera. Now, when this goes on, after a while, when the economy has recovered and people are getting more jobs because we're buying more stuff because people are hired by the government and then they're hired by, by companies, and so we get more and more stuff, people buying more and more stuff, companies hiring more and more people, so more. now we've turned it around. And now we're getting more and more people hired because more and more people are buying stuff, which means more and more people are buying stuff, which means more and more people are getting hired, which means more, et cetera, et cetera. At some point, then we need to worry about inflation, which is why, because all, while all this is happening and the economy is heating up, prices at some point will start to go up, which is why in order to stop Biden and the Democrats from fixing the economy, which wouldn't look good for Republicans, Republicans have been prematurely screaming inflation, stop your stimulus, slow the economy, which they do every time there's a Democratic president so that they can get power back by saying the Democratic president didn't do enough to fix the country. It's, it's crazy. Again, it's, is it hypocritical? Yes. Does it go completely against its own argument? Yes, but it always has worked in America. 
That's why Obama's stimulus was too small because he tried to work with Republicans. The stimulus was too small. It didn't make the country bounce, bounce back quickly enough. It still didn't stop Republicans from screaming inflation all during the Obama presidency. But this is what's going on right now. The point is Republicans have been busy screaming inflation. And now the jobs report comes out that says we really don't need to worry about inflation yet. There's still too many people not working. And so Republicans are still yelling inflation, but now they're also yelling and now people don't have jobs. Those two things do not support each other. They are utterly contradictory. Again, that's a problem only if you live in the real world, where obviously most Republicans do not live. Before we leave today, my last story today, Israel. And this is another one I've been debating for a week, whether I'm going to talk about this for fear, of course, of losing some more friends. But it's been in the news enough, it affects Americans enough, and Americans are paying for this enough, that it's something that I believe I need to address. And I need to address it, I, I've decided I will address it in the context of so many things that I've been discussing during the Trump era and this country's move to insanity over the last year. Some, some basic themes of my class. And I've looked at what's, what's going on in Israel and Gaza and, and the occupied territories as my own, I look at my own inadequacies in viewing this issue over the years. I, I grew up Jewish in America. I grew up, as I always have been and still continue to be, a strong supporter of Israel. Those two things just went together. They were bound together. It's only over the last few years that I've finally, I think, started confronting the extent to which my view was so blinkered on this particular issue. How much confirmation bias, how much being in the bubble I was in, and I was a Reformed Jew. I wasn't an Orthodox Jew. But anyway, how much that has affected my thinking on this issue and all and and all issues I feel strongly about. As you look at Trump voters just unable to see reality on any issue in which reality is uncomfortable for them, I think, well, here's an issue that I'm not so sure that I was quick enough to acknowledge reality of. And I look at my own confirmation bias, of course, but I look at people around me and I think, wow, I am much better than you guys. Maybe because I teach confirmation bias, maybe because I have a podcast, college professor, I don't know. But I've at least, I think, been opening up my eyes a little bit to trying to get a more nuanced, a more balanced perspective of who's doing good, who's doing bad, who's to blame, who's to be rewarded in that part of the world that then I'm doing a better job of that than many of the people around me are doing, certainly people who have the same kind of biases that I have had growing up. One of the differences I mentioned that I was just a Reformed Jew, of course, makes me look at the role of religion in our society. One of the reasons that this is an issue where where many people in America are simply unwilling or unable to look at this in a fair way, in a balanced way, in a way that I would argue, is not extremist. I'm going to be accused, by the way, for many people after this podcast of being an extremist on Israel. I'm going to be accused of being a self-hater and an anti-Semite, despite the fact that as a Jew, it's really not the appropriate term. But I'm going to get accused of that. I'm going to be get accused of it by people who have accused me of being an extremist in the past, but who in this case will never be able to see Israel as ever doing anything wrong, at least while they have a right-wing leader. Obviously, if they ever get a left-wing leader again, then those people will probably be able to see Israel doing wrong. And I think about the role of religion, again, in our society, especially when it comes to religious issues. People just don't think 
clearly. Especially people who are devout in their religion. People are not able to see both sides. People will not consider the other side. When you are certain that God is on your side, well, that's not exactly fertile ground for for conversations and compromise after that. And this is another reminder how great a threat I believe that extremist religion poses to America and to the world. Maybe the greatest threat the world faces right now. People who are too willing to believe whatever they want to believe or are told to believe rather than what's actually happening. I'm also reminded as this goes on that for many people who are the call themselves pro-Israel, you, you don't get to equate supporting Bibi Netanyahu with supporting Israel. This is another Trump thing. Like in America, if you don't support Trump, you don't support America. Sorry, but that's bullshit. And it's bullshit in Israel too. You could be a supporter of Israel without supporting an absolute narcissistic crook who has helped create a crisis that has resulted in hundreds of, of deaths, including dozens of children, including his own, some of his own people, for political gain. The, the one of two winners from this crisis, it is important to remember, is the Prime Minister of Israel, the guy who created it. Yes, the other winner is Hamas. And nothing I say here is designed to make Hamas, make it seem like Hamas is better than they are. Than they are. They're awful too. What I'm pointing out here is there may be a certain amount of awful on both sides. And that's, as, as I've indicated, also makes me think about the concept of information, which I talk about so much on this podcast. The information when it comes to what's happening in the Middle East is so remarkably one-sided in this country. Now, I understand it's been, it's de rigueur for right-wing Jews to refer to the anti-Semitic New York Times. But I think it was said best, I think it was Abe Foxman, the the head of the former uh, former head of the ADL, maybe somebody else, some very prominent um, pro-Israel lobbyist who said the problem with U.S. media is not that it's biased against Israel. It's that it's not biased enough. Which was putting down in words, I guess, the thing that you're not supposed to say out loud. The problem with American media is how overwhelmingly pro-Israel it is. And that's true of much of the world as well. One of the reasons that Americans may look at this issue differently than a lot of people in the rest of the world, though, is that more information might creep in in some of those places. So as was reported... Uh, Israel destroyed a 12-story tower that housed the Associated Press and Al Jazeera offices, claiming that the building was also used by Hamas intelligence. The AP said that there was no indication Hamas was in the building or active in the building. Al Jazeera described the attack as a clear act to stop journalists from conducting their sacred duty to inform the world and report events on the ground. And Reporters Without Borders called for the International Criminal Court to investigate the bombing as a potential war crime. In other words, for the most rightest of pro-Israel supporters, fake news, fake news, and fake news. And the reason they get to say that is because of basically a news blackout. Do I think it's possible that Bibi Netanyahu bombed the the, the press offices? Of course I think it's possible. Is it possible to, to shut up the press? Absolutely it's possible. It's likely, in fact, that that's exactly why it was done. Donald Trump, Bibi's ideological brethren and friend, of course, Donald Trump is at war with journalists, made no bones about it. 
Not shockingly, so is Netanyahu. As part of what, what now is a war on reality when it comes to Israel. Instagram and Twitter, I read, removed posts and accounts documenting evictions of Palestinians. One of the things that started this whole crisis. Now, Instagram and, and Twitter have since come out and blamed technical glitches or convenient technical glitches. But there you go. And there we have it. Information that tends to be pro-Palestinian and not supportive enough of Israel tends to get buried. And that's a bit of a problem. And unfortunately, it's a bit of a problem for those of us who are long supporters of Israel. Again, not so much with this government, I'm not. But certainly in theory and idea, I'm a supporter of Israel. Speaking of this government, of course, Bibi Netanyahu comes out and refers to terrorism. Terrorism, terrorism, terrorism. All the time. Terrorism. Let me just remind you, is Hamas a terrorist organization? Absolutely. They're awful. Again, I'm not speaking for Hamas. They're terrible. But let's just be clear on what terrorism is. Terrorism is how the weak fight the strong. And to some extent, I guess it's a good thing that Israel is the one coming out and blasting terrorism. Because, of course, for years in that part of the world, it was the Jews who were the terrorists. Because we were the weak ones fighting for a state against the occupying powers at that point. We were the ones who were the terrorists. Or, of course, you know, we were freedom fighters at the time. But in a sign of how far Jews have come, for good and for bad, we are now the oppressors. We are now the powerful ones. We are now the ones for whom the only way your opponent can fight back is through engaging in terrorism because you are so much more powerful. That's all that that means. So Netanyahu gets to say terrorism, terrorism, terrorism all you want, but, but that's a semantic question. While you're lobbing bombs at press offices in Gaza, and the other side, because they're weak, is, is lobbing missiles that are ineffective at you. It's just a semantic word. You may be more of a problem than the other side is right now. And that leads us to finally address the United States' role in Israel and in this conflict. The United States, of course, gives Israel billions of dollars in aid. Israel, th that made a lot of sense for a long time when Israel was a developing country and was facing extinction from its surroundings, etc., but Israel is now a very successful and pretty wealthy country. I'm not really sure why I am paying for Israel anymore. The Iron Dome system that apparently, I say apparently because there's a history in the past of, of overestimating how much these very expensive systems actually do. But Iron Dome is reportedly uh, shooting down a lot of these terrorist rockets from Hamas. But in addition to that, which we gave, which we provided to Israel, we are giving them billions of dollars in aid. This was reported while this was going on. The Biden administration approved the sale of seven hundred thirty-five million dollars in weapons to Israel, and of course, voiced the usual support for the country's right to defend itself against the press. Apparently, um, the Biden administration approved the sale of seven hundred thirty-five million in weapons, but we're giving billions of dollars in aid beyond that. We have blocked several UN Security Council statements condemning Israel's actions, which are apparently recognized as war crimes pretty universally. So the United States is paying for all this misery that's going on there right now. The United States taxpayers, like me, are paying for this. We are paying right now to support Netanyahu, a man 
who has injected himself in United States politics repeatedly over the last few years to try to get people like Donald Trump elected president and sane people not elected president of the United States. This is the man we're supporting. The Democratic Party that, that Netanyahu has worked to destroy in America is supporting Netanyahu right now. Interestingly, there's starting to be some pushback. Uh, Nicholas Kristof in, in the Times last week had an op-ed which said, basically, why are U.S. tax dollars funding this? And I read this article, I talked about it in class, and I said, boy, is he going to hear it. Boy, are they going to be calling for his head. He had a, an article a few days ago that said, the remarkable thing for him is how little there was a call for, for his head. How little reaction that got. Um, we're finally pushing back a little bit in the fact that Americans are responsible for some awful repression at this point in other parts of the world. But why not more? This is a question that I've been talking about with other informed people. Why is the United States still always reflexively taking the pro-Israel, however strong it is, position, even when it's a right-wing government in Israel? And I don't, th I don't think it's so much to a large extent in America about the Jews. Jews like me, most American Jews vote Democratic, and most American Jews would be happy if the United States were to put more pressure on Israel especially when it's read by a, led by a right-wing, pro-religious extremist government, pro-racist, uh, bigoted government. Uh, most American Jews would support some effort to change that. Um, despite it being a minority position, maybe, that we should reflexively support Israel no matter what it does, I think the concern for leaders in America is that it's a position that will affect more votes to the negative if they change it than it will affect votes to the positive. Again, are, are there a lot of Jews who are somewhat right-wing, pretty religious, and maybe a little, bit, a, a little bit on the fence about voting for insane leaders like Donald Trump? Yeah. And will this be a, an issue that's used to, to draw them to the Republican Party? Absolutely. Uh, certainly it's thousands and probably millions of voters maybe that that applies to. But I think the problem is even worse than that. And it turns out that the ones who are the biggest pro everything the right wing government in Israel wants is fine thing. <laughs> People who have a problem spending U.S. taxpayer dollars on schools, for instance, but have no problem on bombs in Israel is the evangelical community in America. And I think that this is Really ironic. It says a little bit how far Israel and the Jews have come. But I also think it presents a cautionary tale. The irony here, of course, is being careful who you ally yourself with if you're a Jew in America or in Israel. As the saying goes, if you lie down with dogs, you wake up with fleas. And right now, Jews are lying down with evangelicals in America who want Jews in Israel so that Jesus could come back with the apocalypse and destroy all the Jews and take the Christians to heaven. These are your friends, Jews. This is the same irony as Trump-supporting Jews marching literally shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder with Nazis. The world is a very strange place these days. Anyway, that's it for today's show. Thanks for joining us. I hope to be back in a week or thereabouts. Until then, be well and be safe. You've been listening to Forward Nation Radio with David Leventhal. 